Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, you know, we're playing that music. Welcome to the Connie G Show, everybody, brought to you by the OK Taco Show. Uh, they were kind enough again to let me use their studios here. Um, get this off camera. Sorry, I'm wearing a purple shirt today. It is for my son's soccer team. It says kickers on it, if you're wondering. So don't think it says anything bad. It doesn't. It just says kickers. I thought it said soccer when I wore it, but it's got a lightning bolt on it. It's a bunch of soccer balls in there. Uh, number 17 on the back. That's uh, his number. So that's what uh, I'm wearing. I'm wearing a purple shirt now. That's where we're at. And uh, hold on. I got to adjust this camera. Just trying to. It's kind of a different setup uh, today because I'm doing it during the middle of the day. Uh, for a number of reasons. Number one is, why not? You know, the middle is just a different part of the day. You can still talk about things. You can talk about them at any point of the day. So just pick a point and say them. Um, doesn't really matter when. Sometimes it's like, can you really have those thoughts at six in the morning? It's like, about Sky Rizzy or Balance of Nature? Yeah, that's all I think about. Um, but... It's awkward because usually it's after work and I don't worry about people coming in. And not that I'm extremely worried about that right now. I mean, um, nobody eats tacos and burritos in this area um, from the hours of two to four usually. So pretty pretty much that's a that's the clean zone. You know, you do some cleaning, you catch up on some stuff. Um, you might be making phone calls. A lot of times I'll do business between two to four. So if somebody does walk in, you know, I'll just be like, sorry, I'm in the middle of business time where I call government agencies and ask them questions about licensing and stuff like that. Um, just normal stuff. Yesterday, a friend of mine stopped by. I don't have many, so it was easy to recognize him. And his name is Eric, and he used to do a podcast with me. And he stopped by. He was headed to Tulsa, and he was in between whether or not he should stay at the Staybridge Suites in Tulsa or at a new hotel called the Avid Hotel. And I said, well, have you called them? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, I mean, have you called them to ask them to compete, you know what I mean, with one, with one another? And he's like, no, I, I haven't done that. And so I called Staybridge and I told them about the dilemma that we were having where he was on the fence about which one he should stay at. And beautiful woman named Larissa down there at Staybridge Suites, she she talked up her hotel, her property so much that Eric booked with them. Eric, he decided that he was going to go with Staybridge. So um, if you're ever in the Tulsa area, consider, and you need to stay overnight, consider Staybridge Suites. Um, they're an unofficial sponsor to the Connie G Show, and they're you know, a really great partner. And they have, from what I heard, I haven't been to one myself yet, but a lot of times when you go to a hotel, you're like, I wish I could have a full stovetop kitchen. You know, um, you can have that at Staybridge. Uh, you might think, I want a full-size refrigerator just in case on this one-night stay, I decide to cook a Thanksgiving meal. Because you never know. It could be Thanksgiving that you're staying. Um, a lot of times planes get canceled on Thanksgiving. Uh, travel plans get interrupted by weather during Thanksgiving holidays. 
You guys have all seen planes, trains, and automobiles. That can happen. You can meet a guy named Dell that sells shower curtain rings from, you know, Wichita. You could find that guy, and you could be stuck with him, and you could be at the crappy motel that they were at in Wichita, or you could be at Staybridge Suites. And thank you, Staybridge Suites, for unofficially sponsoring our show. And uh, thank you to Eric for stopping by. But he stopped by, and I was in the middle of business calls um, yesterday at that time. So today I'll just do the show. Um, today is uh, the 3rd of May. Mama standing on the ring, be up to me. Uh, and I wrote down a number of things here on my list. I'll hold it up to the camera so you guys can see. A lot of these were written down on the 2nd of May, though. I hope they're still relevant. Um, so it's the 3rd of May, and that means that you guys, um, what did he put? Oh, okay. So I, I'll, I'll keep it because we're at the taco shop and I'm in the middle of working. I'll, I will tell some taco shop uh, observations. Now, as you guys know, the Thick James has been running the front counter um, for a few weeks now, maybe a month, going on a month here. And, you know, he's doing uh, uh, it's a, nomen, it's a showman's, a noman's job. or You know what I mean? They, they, people say that sometimes. Anyways, he's doing a great job running the counter. I thought that he had had experience doing that before for some reason in my head. I knew that he'd worked at Wendy's, which in the fast food world, that's like working at, uh, you know, it's on the Mount Rushmore of fast food. If you're one of the Dave Thomas disciples, you've been trained by some of the best people. And he worked at a Wendy's off of West Kellogg in Wichita, Kansas. I mean, you talk about pressure, baby. That's traffic. That's a high-traffic Wendy's. You got these people getting off on the Dugan exit, heading over to Best Buy or to um, Sam's Club, Walmart, or maybe even going around the corner, hitting that Coles up. I'm telling you that he worked at a Wendy's that was catty-corner to a Coles department store. So if you think this buster wasn't busy, you're out of your mind. That's how busy that Wendy's was. And so I thought he was bringing some of that Dave Thomas experience with him, but um, it's not the case. He told me, finally, he admitted that they'd never let him work the counter. And so it made a little bit more sense, some of the confusion that I hear uh, happening up front as he's, as he's trying to get the orders straight. But he's doing great. Um, and I don't know what, how to describe this, I guess. You know how there's like, I don't know what it is, if it's a mental illness, if it's a deficiency in some way where people can't see colors. You know what I mean? Like, um, they call it being colorblind. And either, I think if, when you're colorblind, you, there's two different versions of colorblind. I think there are some people that just see in black and white or sepia. Like, you got those sepia fellas. You've seen those guys that have um, just the gray the wicked gray, like almost glazed over eyes, those are sepia fellas. Those people only see in desert tones. Um, then you got the people that only see, like everything that's red is green for them, and everything that's green is is purple, and 
So they live their life in a wacky Willy Wonka world, but they don't know any different. They just assume that everybody sees it that way. And they tell people that they see the color red because when learning colors, people would point at that color and say that's red. Now, in their silly brain, what they're actually seeing is what you see is green. It's very confusing, I know. Um, The reason I bring all that up and how it pertains to Thick James running the counter is this. James, I've noticed, does not uh, have the, the discerning ability. He cannot tell how old people are. He treats... A seven-year-old could walk in here and James would assume that he's on lunch break at a factory. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. What'd your boss got you doing today? Like, I hear words come out. I hear the order, so I'll hear a voice. So if it's um, the high school comes over for lunch and I hear younger voices, I'll be like, oh, it's the high school. Because the way they talk, the cadence, the actual uh, speech that they're using is... You know, you you hear it. You hear that this is must be a high school kid. It's, it's all social media terms, you know. And um, James was like, "That's that's a terrific order, ma'am." Uh, uh, Conrad, these these elderly women out here would like an extra thing of sour cream, please. Um, you know. Instead of being, you don't want to say, maybe you don't want to say girls. It's almost better that he does it this way. Um, but, you know, you got to be careful if nothing is different. If if a 11-year-old walks in here and you think that they're, you know, some sort of stock exchange trader, you got to be careful because you don't want to, you know, say, hey, so are you, um, are you always eating alone? Are you single? You don't, you got to be careful is what I'm saying when you don't discern age. And that's just a handicap um, that I think he's got a little bit. It's kind of like uh, the guys. Some people are terrific at guessing people's weight. Um, I mean, there used to be a carnival trick. People will be standing there, and somebody walked by and be like, "Hey, fella, you know, I bet you a dollar. I know exactly how much you weigh." And it's a weird thing that somebody be like, "I'll, I'll take that bet." There's, here's a dollar, sir. Now embarrass me. You know what I mean? Because it's never. I don't think there's ever a time where it's a good thing that you stepped on a scale in public. Um, you could argue possibly boxing or UFC matches that that would be because it's, you know, your career, your profession. So you were in public and you weighed yourself and then you could maybe argue that it's that, but I kind of think that it'd be more like, Oh man, I hear him doing his number crunching right now. Sorry. I kind of think like when you're weighing in in that way, you're getting ready to get your butt kicked. Even if you win the match, you're going to get your butt kicked. So it's not fun. If you weigh in and you're like, what what is a good thing? If you're emaciated, if you're, you know, one of those fellas that are wearing the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl championship T-shirts overseas, some of our Bills fans overseas, guys, those people are very thin. thin. That's a thin people over there. And so, you know, if you're a carnival trickster and you see one of these marathon runners walk by and you go, hey, I bet I can guess your weight because this guy's like, you know, six foot eight. 
but he doesn't understand that these dudes might only weigh 43 pounds. You know what I mean? These, you get these desert runners, these marathon runners, these descent descendants, you know, these, you're talking about the guys that got the free peanut butter for all that time that Reagan used to send them. They're, they're 50 pounders. They're part of the 50 pound club. That's why they're running. So they float around New York city during that marathon. Um, cause they only weigh 50 pounds, bucko. And it, you can't, even the best guesser can't guess that. But for the most part, they're, they're dead on and it's embarrassing. It's like, yeah, what do you think you weigh? Uh, 205 and you get on and, oh, looks like you're 229. Well, yeah, I got my boots on. Everybody's always got the heaviest boots in the world when they weigh in. There's always that excuse. Like, yeah, well, I'm wearing my boots. It's like, oh, I didn't realize you were wearing your cement boots. Uh, the ones that are filled with iron. You got your iron boots on? Shh, sorry. Shouldn't have stepped, stepped on that scale today of all days. Um, shouldn't have paid that man to embarrass you in front of us. So, but then there's people that you could see and you'd be like, how much do you think that person weighs? And you can meet these people. Just ask that question to random people. Hey, not to bother you, ma'am. I know that we're at a bank, but this person here that's making a deposit, how much do you think that this person weighs? And if you say that to a stranger, they'll be, they'll think, are you being offensive? You're not. What you're trying to judge is, whether this person has that ability, this bank teller. And sometimes you'll run into people that, like, I don't know, 500. And it's like, no, this person's 120 pounds. You know, you can be close. Some people have that ability. And I think that that's the same thing that, that James is missing with the, the ageism. He doesn't have ageism. Um, but he doesn't know ages. He was asking this one kid for cigarettes the other day. Um, and I know the kid was too young to smoke because I think you have to be 21 years old now to smoke cigarettes, 21 years old. That's if you start smoking at 21 years old, let's just do this. Let's just do this simple math. Let's just say that you live now to be 80 years old. That's the average lifespan of, um, a person, a human, American human, 80 well, if you don't start smoking until 21, you can only smoke for 59 years legally. Say that you smoke a pack a day every day from the time that you're 21 years old to the time that you die at 80. That means you never got to smoke for 60 years. You had to smoke for 59. And that's a damn shame. And uh, that's one of the things that I do want to address moving forward is the inequality of habits, bad habits and time spans. Um, I think that's really unfair that we as a country and lawmakers and the people that we're voting for are changing the laws to where children aren't allowed to make the same mistakes that we were allowed to make uh, when we were younger. I think it's ridiculous that kids, 12-year-olds should be smoking. They should be learning to smoke at 12 and legally buying cigarettes at 14 because you want them to be stress-free by the time that they're 18 and they go to war, okay? And that's logical. You know, that's a logical thought, I think. So... um I'm working towards it, guys, making sure that people can have habits that are bad 
legally for longer? Why are we shorting shortening this? It's one of the things that James and I are working on here at OK Taco Company. Um, so he's doing a great job, and it's fine. You know, even his issues with um, not being able to tell, like he won't hold. He might hold the door open for um, like a seventeen-year-old. He'll be like, "Oh, I better get the door for this person." And I'm thinking it's because he's attracted. You know, it might be a good-looking eighteen-year-old girl walking here. He's attracted to them or something. No, it's because he thinks that they're eighty. Because then you could have the same an eighty-five-year-old woman barely being able to open the door, and him be like, "This youngster should really pull harder." You know, it's like James. That woman is. That's an, that's the old woman. She's she's past her prime. You know, you got to help her. So. Um, this next sentence, I just want to use it moving forward. Uh, this is a, called a transition for all you younger podcasters out there. I'm going to transition from that subject to a different subject and I'm going to do it with, um, kind of like a verbal semicolon. It's just a random thought that I wrote down and I want to make sure you guys remember this thought because I'd like to use it on you for, um, considerable amount of time anytime you call me from now on or I call you uh, at some point during the conversation I'd like to open with it but uh, I won't always um, at some point during the conversation I want to mention that I, sorry man I gotta go I'm watching the Aaron Carter documentary um, so if somebody calls me I want to be oh hey what's going on they're like oh not much what are you doing so I'm just I'm just trying to I'm episode two of the Aaron Carter documentary on Hulu you know, I want to be able to say that. Um, I think it's important to have a thing. Um, sometimes it's a physical and aesthetic thing that people have. Tom Landry wore that hat, that that uh, bird bird crap catcher hat for a long time. The one that the brim. He's a Dallas Cowboys coach. Um, Lady Gaga. You know, she'll run around and do naked yoga in in the woods and. You know, dress herself in a meat suit. I want people to call me and be like, hey, what's going on, Conrad? And I'll be like, oh, tch, nothing, dude. Just pause and hold on a second. Let me pause my Aaron Carter documentary. A documentary about a childhood star whose brother was Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. And let me just tell you something. Life in showbiz world comes at you fast. You got to grow up real quick if you're Aaron Carter, if you're freaking A. Carter, brother of N. Carter. If you're A. C. B. of N. C., are you kidding me? You're Aaron Carter, dude. You're Nick Carter's brother from Backstreet Boys. And Aaron Carter, dude, he went big early, eight years old, nine years old, sold out shows, millions of albums. He went on his own early and grew up too fast Put in that freaking washing machine known as Hollywood, that dirty laundry, rolling around, hanging out with Tom Hanks, who didn't give him the advice he needed, hanging out with, you know, um, I'm sure Nick Lachey and Justin Timberlake. All of the bad influences you see portrayed week after week in, in, in Celebrity. Nick Carter was looking for answers from these fellas, and he didn't get them. And he's dead now. Nick Carter has died. 
Um, no, not Nick. Sorry, Aaron Carter has died. Nick Carter is still very much alive, doing great actually. On a, I think a Backstreet, back again. All right, back tour. Backstreet's back again. All right, back again on a boat this time tour. That's their newest single. Um, and even though he's heartbroken about his brother's um, demise into drug and uh, depression from being one of the biggest, you know, the prince of pop to all of a sudden being just a homeless drug addict hooked on drug. This next segment's brought to you by Diamond CBD. If you want to get hooked on drug like Aaron Carter, go to thewaterhead.com or go to oktacocompany.com and find the link for Diamond CBD. You can buy CBD product at an extreme discount and you too can push it to the limit like Aaron Carter did, but legally with CBD. Take the law out of your drug hall. I wrote that down right there. So, yeah, just um, anyways, it's a good documentary, and I plan on at least telling people that I'm in the middle of it for the foreseeable future. So if I hang up on you like, oh, hey, man, I got to get out of here. The Aaron Carter documentary is about ready to start up again. Um, You know, that kind of thing. I think it's important to have those. I had it with the... Uh, Michael Jordan documentary for a long time. Um, anytime somebody would reference a sports figure, I'd say, or, you know, any, really any person of color, I would say, yeah, they were great in that Michael Jordan documentary, uh, Save the Last Dance. So it's something I've always done. Um, so don't think it's weird if it happens to you, if you do, if you do call me. I doubt that'll happen. Um, speaking of things I doubt will happen is Snapple, you know, <laughs> The, the delicious drink, Snapple. Are you thirsty? Mm. Grab a Snapple. Um, Snapple was really popular when I was Aaron Carter's age. When I was like nine. It was a popular drink. It was a... Flavored iced tea, non-carbonated, bottled in a glass bottle with, like, riddles or jokes or presidents or something on the cap that people... Did you you keep your Snapple cap? Like, it was, like, a thing. Um, And so, I was always... I always had a, uh, I think, a valid disdain for the product myself. Never liked the name, never liked the... um, You know, I don't want to... I don't know. I never liked it. I, it reminded me of apples. Um, I didn't like the thought of drinking an apple, even though I, I think I do like apple juice. I like the juice of an apple. I don't like to think of the crunchiness of an apple as I drink it. And Snapple sounds like the snap of an apple um, to me in the way that I processed it. Uh, so I would always lean towards the chocolate soldier. And believe me, if you're ever out and about, that's who you should be leaning on is that chocolate soldier. Um, you know... You find yourself the old above a gump and then lean on them. And but I'd get the chocolate soldier, which was a I think a Canadian based Yoohoo product. Um, Canada loves chocolate milk, Canadians do, and they can't figure out how to make it. 
because uh, Canada doesn't understand how to milk a cow yet. They they're still in goat milk, and you can't make a chocolate goat milk delicious, no matter how much you heat it up. Um, and they've tried everything, and so eventually they got their hands on a YooHoo, and because of copyright infringement laws globally, uh, they changed the name of the YooHoo to Chocolate Soldier. And left a little bit more of that chocolate um, cocoa on the bottom. And so it's a thicker Yoohoo. You can't ever get, you know how when you shake up um, a chocolate mixed drink? You guys know this. <laughs> Say you're getting ready to watch episode two of the Aaron Carter documentary, and you're like, oh, before I hit play, I want to have a chocolate based drink um, to relax. <laughs> so you would go to your fridge and you grab a Yoohoo, you'd take a hit off of it. You know, you'd take that maiden hit, and it wasn't chocolatey enough, and so then you'd put the cap on, make sure it's tight, fella, you don't want to get chocolate everywhere, and you shake it up. Well, Chocolate Soldiers, it did not matter how much you shook up that little bad boy, you could never get all the griblies out of the bottom, and so that last drink was, it's like drinking, you know, an unfiltered coffee, it's its campgrounds. So, um, anyways, I would lean towards that, but Snapple, they're not... I didn't write any letters to any newspapers about Snapple. I've thought about it, of course, but I've never actually put pen to paper and and written the Snapple organization. Um, but a man did. A man submitted an op-ed in a newspaper. It uh, wasn't local, but regional. I'll call it a regional newspaper, where he was kind of getting up in that Snapple ass a little bit about uh, a few products. I wrote them down here. Apparently, when Snapple first started... Like a lot of things, it started good. And they had something called a cherry lime rider. These are these are carbonated sodas. A creamy vanilla, a ginger beer, a root beer, a peach. They had a freaking Merritt Martin. Oh, that was the guy's name. So what I'm saying is if you if you would have told me that, hey man, I'm getting ready to head over to Quick Trip, uh, you need anything, and I could have told you, hey man, grab me a creamy vanilla snapple. Oh, baby. Are you kidding? Yeah, I get it, dude. And this guy named Merritt Martin, uh, M-E-R-R-I-T, Martin, like the show. Um, Merritt Martin, he had wrote into this newspaper, and he had said, do you guys remember the days where they had root beer Snapple, peach Snapple, ginger beer? But his favorite, Cherry Lime Rider. Cherry Lime Rider. This guy was, he is upset. Merritt was so thirsty that morning for a cherry lime writer that he wrote the newspaper about this. And the last thing he wrote, I just, I just paraphrased. He put shame on Snapple. He wrote that in there. Shame on Snapple for removing this beverage from their lineup. And it's like, Merritt, if you want a cherry lime writer, make your own damn cherry lime writer. Don't get mad at Snapple. The reason Snapple doesn't make it is because you're the only idiot that drank it. Don't you get that? If, if everybody loved Cherry Lime Riders, or don't you understand that if it was popular, and even if everyone loved it, if the distribution channels that it took to make that product made it not profitable enough to keep carrying that product, even if it was so popular, don't you understand that it's not Snapple's decision to remove the product? Like, they want to make everybody happy with their, with their uncarbonated teas, or they wanted to make everybody happy with their carbonated sodas. But at some point, the lime guy, the cherry guy, the 
the truck driver that drove the cherries, the syrup, the you know the places that weren't going to stock it because of uh, different um, allegiances to other products that have cherry in them, and they didn't want to battle them in court. Whatever, there's 18 billion layers merit on why they're not carrying that soda. There's legal reasons. There's um, compliance reasons with safety and and standards and packaging and bottling and um, temperatures and all these things that you're not understanding that possibly it was too much for them to have a cherry lime rider, that they had to focus on something as a company, possibly. Or you could be completely right. They could have all the stuff there. They could have the bottles. They could have the factory. They could have the licenses. They could have the know-how and the labor force, and they're just choosing not to. If that is the case, Merritt, I'm on your side. But right now, I'm turning back on the Aaron Carter documentary, and I'm stopping this conversation about Snapple. Snapple was always a subpar tea. If you're going to get a tea, get an Arnold Palmer. Get a Gold Peak. Fella, get yourself a Lipton. Never liked that one where they had the brisk. I never liked brisk tea. I felt it was... um, It's too X-gamesy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... You want your tea to be cracker barrel-y. You want your tea to be porchy. You know, under a tree, on a bench, drinking tea. Um, on a golf course, looking at the beautiful landscape, having a tea. On a dock, drinking tea. On a boat, drinking tea. You don't say on a half pipe. You know what I mean? I'm, a, well, I'm just getting ready to rip this half pipe and drink this tea. Shut up, brisk. I'm getting ready to do a 980 and turn it into an upper twister, you know, butthole surfer and then land it and then drink a tea. Hey, brisk, briskly leave the tea conversation, please. Leave it up to the guys that understand tea, dude. It's bathtub time. It's time to drink a tea. You know, you get a hot tea, you get a cold bath or vice versa. Maybe a hot bath and a cold tea. I don't know. You hold hands with another Cialis friend. And you look at a classic Mustang as a Hootie and the Blowfish cover band strums lightly to let her cry. You know what I mean? That's a tea. Did you just drink some freaking tea last night? I did, dude. Did I drink some tea last night? Oh, yeah? What were you doing? I was doing donuts on a damn clown's head in the middle of a stadium. You know, I was up on two wheels in a Nissan... Frickin' Sentra, <laughs> whatever those idiots drive in. Oh, me and Travis Pastrana did a line of coke off a of Bam Margera's, Margera's nutsack, and then we jumped out of a helicopter, and then we had a glass of tea. Cut it out, Brisk. And cut it out, Snapple. I'm with Merritt now. Get back on it. Um, thank you, YouTube. If you guys want to watch the show, it's on YouTube. I'll also post it on the Patreon. If you want to join the Patreon, you can. It's $5.00. Um, that's a lot of money, so I only do it $5 monthly. You'll hardly know it's gone. And um, when you do that, you support the show. You support the dream uh, that I've always had of doing the show and making a living off of doing a show. And I didn't just start this dream a year ago. I started it in 2010. So I have thousands of shows that none of you guys have listened to. And only a couple of you have, so thank you. You're the best. 
Chris, Steve, you know. Um, and a lot of you are catching up, so thank you. And a lot of you are signing up, so thank you. That's three thank yous. That's enough. We're going to move on. Um, another movie I watched. Actually, I, I can't finish it. I started watching the David Bowie documentary. This cat's a strange uh, critter. I'll say that. And great artist. Um, didn't know that he sang a lot of the stuff he sang. Um, I find that... Sometimes I find that peculiar. Because I wonder... I feel like I'm a pretty observant person. And as I get older um, and browner, um, I notice that other people aren't very observant. And then I wonder, like, when I find out David Bowie sang a certain song, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I wonder if anybody else knows that. And probably not. Come to find out, a lot of people are saying they're David Bowie fans and don't know. I mean, they they can say that, and it could be true, but still not understand that he sang more than the three songs that they think he sang. So, uh, good documentary, and, you know, I kind of, as weird as it is, I can kind of uh, relate to him on a lot of the things he was going through, um, but that's a different conversation for a different podcast, and I, th- I think he's dead. I think he died of COVID. Oh, he got the Johnson & Johnson shot, and then he got the... What would he took? I think he did actually take that cocktail that Donald Trump took, and then he died of COVID. COVID on the second variant, I think is what it was. He had had his booster, he'd had his pre breakfast booster, but he hadn't had after Easter, he was supposed to have a booster from Kohl's, and he missed that one and died. So, anyways, it's a good documentary. I'm about a quarter of the way through. Um, so I don't know if I'll pay 75 cents to see the rest, but we'll find out. And I guess it just to stay on topic, I also watched, um, a show, a movie called the Grand Budapest Hotel. It's on HBO Max. If you guys have the money to buy HBO Max, you should definitely have the money to buy this show. Um, but anyways, Grand Budapest Hotel, I had never watched it. Um, I'd heard about it. It is Heather actually described it. I think it's a Quentin Tarantino. If if it it seems like a Quentin Tarantino movie, but it's a dark comedy that's British or Americans portraying British or something. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's kind of the story of an obsessive hotel manager. Um, that has his own style and runs the fanciest hotel, the Grand Budapest Hotel. During mm, the war, early 1900s wartime, mid-1900s wartime. And um, so uh, it's just interesting because he has a protege that ends up taking over the hotel for him. And he started as a lobby boy. And a lobby boy... Um, I think describes kind of what people in the service industry um, do, uh, which is a lobby boy. You know, you anticipate people's needs before they need them. You address them before they can ask the question. You um, you take responsibility for 
things that aren't your responsibility. You are available at all times, but never in sight of anything. Nobody can see you, but you're there if they need you, and you should be there before they ask. It's a lobby boy. And so when he was going through what a lobby boy is, it's like, oh, yeah, that's the life of you know, somebody that works in the service industry. That's what you try to do. You want to be the most accommodating, but act as if you're invisible. And um, it's tough, but a good movie. And, and it was told in a, I thought it was pretty, it's a pretty good way. So if you haven't seen, I think it's pretty old now. I, I should probably do reviews of modern movies, but um, I don't watch them, very many of them. I've watched some superhero. I watched Aquaman with Jonah on Sunday morning, and that's a wild ride. Um, if you're into those kinds of movies, that's pretty good. It's DC, which is uh, direct current. So you'll like that. Um, I don't know where to go on this. I had, I'll do, there was a dust storm in Illinois. You guys probably saw that. Uh, I do have thoughts on that. I have thoughts on kind of a headline that had happened in Davis, California, which is nearby uh, Dixon, California, which is where one of my friends, Steve, is from. And it's just funny that this headline popped up for me to read because him and I had just been texting, and uh, I don't even know how we were texting about, um, like, watch out for the homeless people or something like that. And I was like, oh, around here, I think the mayor throws them in a pit or something, because you don't see many homeless people. Um, and so he's like, well, back in Dixon, um, they just drop them off in Davis. They'd take all the homeless people and take them to Davis and drop them off, Davis, California. I've never been to California um, I hear it's beautiful and it seems like I might fit in in a lot of ways. And you know, the, the, the downsides people always say, well, it's so expensive. And it's like, yeah, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm sure it is. So there's that, you know, so make more money, I guess is the way I've always looked at it. And should it be expensive and you get into all those and how they're mismanaging and yeah, I I understand that also, but that part I understand. I have zero control over. Um, neither do the residents that are voting. I don't. I mean, it seems like it's always since I've been alive, California has been considered too expensive, and they've had numerous different people leading it. Maybe it will always just be too expensive, but um, it seems like it's a beautiful place, and homeless people seem to flock to it. Um, like birds. There's coveys of homeless people around California. And a lot of times they'll, you know, that's the part that discourages people who are paying from being there. And I understand all of it. I get it. But what was weird about the headline is there was um, stabbings that were going on. And these stabbings, there was like at a university where this freaking stabber was walking around and he stabbed some student and he stabbed this he said beloved homeless man stabbed to death and everybody apparently knew this homeless man and that's the weird part because you would think and i had to think about it a couple ways like if he's so beloved why didn't you get him a home that was my first thought but then you start reading a little more and then kind of just thinking about it throughout the day and it's like 
you know, I'm sure if he was the, uh, I think he was the guy that always had compassion or something. That's what they were describing him as. Like people would actually sit with him on this bench and tell him about uh, their issues and he would search for where they could be more compassionate for whatever problem they were having. And so people loved this homeless fella that got stabbed by somebody, I guess the one person that didn't like him or didn't know um, that this was a beloved figure. He might have just thought, here's a homeless guy I'm going to stab. Uh-oh, wrong homeless guy, pick a different one. And, you know, the weird thing is, had he picked a different homeless guy to stab, we may never have heard the story. You know, because it's been like, a, you know, third page. Nobody even printed it. But unfortunately, it was a homeless man of note that that this stabber got and you know so I, I thought at first it's like well why didn't if everybody including you know government officials were talking about that they everybody knows that this man has no place to live everybody loves him everybody seems to trust him or understand what this dude's about yet he doesn't have a place then I was like well maybe and I guess you just don't know until you put yourself in there that there is a possibility that he didn't want to live. He liked it. And so it's kind of weird that as a, you could, you could go around being like, man, it makes me so mad that this guy just gets away with floating around here, eating scraps and sitting on park benches all day. But same time, isn't it kind of great that really, if that's what you wanted to do, you can just do it. It's a different life. It's not the rat race that we all um, want to run on and feel like it matters um, for some sort of reason. We feel like, well, we, we have to do this to, to grow, to be a good example, to have a, um, something to leave behind, a legacy or something. It's like, well, what's more important, though? If your legacy was sitting on a park bench giving helpful advice to people, it cost you nothing to get that legacy, except for the effort it was to sit on the park bench and be able to help people. So that's where this guy chose to put his effort rather than, you know, selling the next pair of uh, Lululemon frickin' leggings. You know what I mean? Trying to figure out a strategy to convince people that these leggings are going to change their life. That's the job for hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people is... Their job is to convince you that their product will help you in some way. So you will take your money and then buy that product. This guy was like, you don't have to do that. Just tell me about what's going on in your life and I'll talk to you. Which you would think is more valuable than the leggings, but there's no value to it. And you'd think that that person deserves more accolades or more materialistic possessions or a better house because he's giving such valuable information, way more valuable than a pair of leggings, but it's not the case. It's the opposite, in fact. And that's a strange thing. So, anyways, um, I'm sure that Steve knows this man because he lived in Dixon for such a long time, and this man was a part of the community, it seemed, for a number of years, a decade. Um, so, sorry about that, Steve. Sorry you lost a, a buddy that you probably knew. Um and it's just weird. I I don't like the um what is it? What would you even I don't like the crazy 
homeless people. You know what I mean? The ones that are barking and crapping in the streets and in the gutters. And but they're they're ill. You know what I mean? Whether it be hooked on drug or they were needed some sort of professional help prior to that, and there's they're there. They're stuck. They're in the waiting place. They're in the and it's just that's just awful. But anyways, if you know, if you were a homeless man and you wanted to end it, you would have went to Illinois this past week and stood on that highway when that dust storm came in because apparently couldn't see anything and these guys just started slamming into each other. So the big pile up number of fatalities. Um I don't understand that. I've I've been in the situation. There is something, and I don't think it's American, it's human, for driving when you can't see. You know what I mean? Like, whether it be dense fog or a snowstorm or a rainstorm, hailstorm, um, dust storm, but, you know, the more common ones, a rainstorm or a fog, there's been so many times where it's like, I think it's because you've driven the route so many different times that you feel comfortable and so you're doing 70 mile an hour and all of a sudden you're doing 70 and you're looking around it's like I don't think I can see anything it takes you a little bit and then you might slow down to 60 it is weird what and you can look at this when you're driving like on ice or something you see what others are comfortable with and then you think to yourself where are they headed you know and so if it's ice and you know that it's been treated and plowed but you can tell everything's still slick you might be driving on a highway that the speed limit's normally 65, and what do you go to? I might be driving at 35, but I'm getting passed by all these people. And I always think to myself, like, if this commute was going to take me 40 minutes at 60 or 65, it's going to take me an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes to get there at this speed. You know what I mean? It's, I'm just going half as much. And it probably won't even be double because I wasn't driving 60 the whole time. I was off on side streets. And so I do that in my head. It's like, oh, it's going to take me an hour now. I I would rather not die. You know, I'd rather not get in a car accident and kill somebody or die myself um, to save 18 minutes on my commute. You know, I I don't understand that mindset that people have. And the crappy thing is, People are like, well, you got to get up earlier. You know, you just got to be prepared and know that if you got to get to work. And it's like, what are you talking? What do you do for a living? You know, brother, that's so that 18 minutes are so important and 18 minutes in context, 18 minutes knowing there's a damn snowstorm or it was dense fog or it was raining six inches an hour, whatever it is, you would think that whoever was expecting you to be at a certain place at a certain time would have the understanding, the knowledge to know, well, it's possible that the reason there's a delay is because of these extreme conditions in the weather. And you can't drive. And maybe you didn't think that there was going to be a high dust storm. So how could you prepare for that? You know, maybe you didn't know it was going to snow a foot. So how could you prepare for that? So anyways... It's always weird to me when people are like, I got to get there. I better get to work. I was like, well, where, where do you work? I work at JCPenney's. I open, though. It's like, yeah, but who cares? Well, my boss has already called me three times. 
Do they know it snowed three feet? Yeah, but they were like, why didn't I stay at a hotel next to JCPenney's just in case it snowed? And it's like, because you, you work at JCPenney's. Who cares? Let the people wait. It's like, they care. It's all that matters is JC and Penny. So um, some people were getting to where they were going in Illinois, and they got to a stopping point real quick. Because that's what happens. You drive and you drive 60 on the ice, and then you slip in the ditch, and it's like, well, how much time did it save you there, partner? Now you're calling AAA, or you're calling your buddy and you're ruining his day, and you've ruined your vehicle and your insurance and blah, 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 blah. And it took now you got days wrapped up into this project rather than just 30 minutes extra by driving slower. So just think about that, guys. Drive slower, and if you're in a dust storm or fog or snow, when you stop texting and you look up and are like, holy smokes, I can't see anything, that is the time you slow down. You can even slow all the way to a stop. Put your hazards on and slow down, buddy, because you don't know what's ahead of you and you might hit someone. Don't try to be a hero because you're on your way to Starbucks to get a little, you know, Danish and a coffee. Um, so, yeah, that's on there, the dust storm. I don't want to talk about the Writers Guild. Uh, I'll just end on this last thing um, before I get out of here. I've been doing a lot more shaving lately on my face. Nowhere else on my body, so don't think about it. Let me get a drink here. Yeah, I've been doing face shaving. And usually a daily routine or every other day. Got a Mach 3. I'm not proud of it, but I, am, I have pride in it, if that makes sense. Does a great job. Um, but if I take cold showers, then I can get out and there's no fog on the mirror. But if I take a warm shower, there's fog on the mirror. And I get it that Gillette um, marketed the part where you wipe away the fog before you shave. And, you know, you wipe away the fog and all of a sudden Brad Pitt's standing there or you wipe away the fog and um, Roger Federer, the tennis star, is standing there. And it's like when you wipe it away, you're standing there. So it's never the commercial is what I'm saying. And also what's never like the commercial is you can't ever just wipe the fog and then it's a clear mirror. It never completely comes all the way off and it immediately fogs up again. And why they portray it in those commercials as if, hey, do you want to shave right now and it's foggy? Use one hand swipe and all the fog will disappear. That doesn't happen. It's usually you wipe it, you look back up, and you know, you're the ghost of Christmas pass again, and you gotta wipe it again, and you might get one swipe of your, you know, your face lawnmower down your cheek, and you gotta you're you're sitting there wiping whiskers on the mirror, they're getting all over the place. What I'm saying is this, bud, don't ever do the thing that I did. Don't ever mistakenly Google fogless mirror because what you're going to find out is for under 50 bucks, you can have about any size mirror be fogless. And the fact that people are building bathroom vanities and building places where people need to look in a mirror but also is a foggy area. The fact that we're not putting fogless mirrors 
in every place that could get fogged is a travesty. Why aren't all mirrors that are for bathrooms fogless? Why are we even... It shouldn't be a question. It should be... Um, the fact that you have to be like, what's going on? Oh, I'm just trying to shave every day. Oh, boy, do you have a fogless mirror? I think I do. I have a mirror in my bathroom. Would If they make fogless mirrors, wouldn't that be fogless? No, they don't actually have to put fogless mirrors in bathrooms. They can put any mirror they want. What? Well, why wouldn't they choose to put fogless? Don't they know fog will be here? No. They know that they know that the fog should might be there, but they might think that you take ten second showers. Nobody takes a ten second shower. I know every mirror fogs. They kind of know it, but they never put fogless. You have to buy it separately, not from them, so it doesn't affect them. I think that somebody who if you're a bathroom, if you're one of those, um, if you're one of those gay, if you're a gay, if you're a bathroom designer, if you're, you know, whatever, you get it. If you're doing that, if you design bathrooms, you drive a Subaru, you love softball, Brittany Griner's your hero, you get it. Do yourself a favor, Mr. Businessman that designs bathrooms remodel. Emphasize in your pitch. Everything you do is fogless, buddy. Do it fogless. Nobody's doing it. If you fog, you remove the fog from the reflection, you have just changed 99.9% of bathrooms out there. You can remodel every bathroom by just changing that mirror, and people are going to be happy because now they have a wall that doesn't look like, you know, you're looking through the veil of, uh, you know, who are, who's under the veil. You have a veilless bathroom for reflections. So people don't want to be vampires. They want reflections, at least in that room of their house. They'd like to see what they look like, even if it's opposite, left to right. They like to see what they look like before they go outside the house. And they can't if there's a bunch of cloud on it. The fact that there's cloudless mirrors out there, please, 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 if you do remodel a bathroom... If you just have 50 bucks laying around, buddy, get yourself a fogless mirror and click on that through MikeLindell.com, okay? It's called My Mirror, all right? It's the world's greatest mirror. You get three pairs of slippers. You get a personalized autograph Mike Lindell voting machine. You get a Balance of Nature starter pack. That's the first part of the balance. You can't get on a balance beam with no legs. This is going to grow your new legs, your balance legs. So you'll get all that. Um, You can either go to MikeLindell.com or OKTacoCompany.com and sign up for Patreon. With that being said, have an okay day. Be good to yourself. Talk to you later. I'm out of here.